What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Today is Friday, November 18th, 2022, and today on the show, it's power to the pod. All the things that you want to talk about are all the things that we're diving into headfirst today to shut down this week. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Dolphins fans? Fins up. Happy Friday. Hope you guys are enjoying the bye week. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-founder of the DraftNetwork.com. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24/7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe, so visit simplysafe.com/lockedonnfl to learn more. You're uninitiated with the concept of power to the pod. It's a delightful show in which all of you through the various different outlets and mediums that you can reach out to me, um, submit questions and topics and discussion points that are of interest to you. And we will spend the next 30 minutes kind of talking through all the things that you have given to me as pressing issues in your minds. And we'll talk about them, and I'll give you my insight, my perspective, and we'll have a grand old time. And uh, it's always a lot of fun. So with that in mind, I have a couple questions off the top that I want to circle through uh, before we get into the iTunes reviews questions. If you have questions about how to submit, I have crowdsourced. What is a more effective way for you guys to get your Power to the Pod questions in? It's still open-ended. But as of right now, any you can leave a review of the show on any avenue in which you listen to this podcast. And it will be collected through something called Chartable, which tracks all the reviews from all the different podcast outlets. And it will come through a RSS feed, and I will see them. Now, the challenge with that is sometimes it's a couple of days behind. So depending on if we do Power to the Pot on a Wednesday, and it's in a post game on a, a Monday, you might not get it on that show. So immediately topical reaction to actual games is something that... I'm exploring the idea of keeping Power to the Pot on Fridays. Maybe we'll get six episodes the rest of the regular season. So just f food for thought. But I would love to hear from all you guys who listen to the show. We have a great community here on Locked On Dolphins. So let's get into some of the questions from this week. Our first question today comes from ba Brandon. And Brandon wants to know how we can make a path to trade Byron Jones and get a draft pick in the teens to draft Penn State cornerback Joey Porter Jr. Now, if you're not familiar with Joey Porter Jr., uh, he's very much a traditional Belichick-style Dolphins defense-type player at the cornerback position. He's very long, very physical. Like, he might be the longest corner I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but he's taken a really good step forward in coverage this year. And... Um, would play a lot of man coverage and can can play press on the line of scrimmage. I guess the challenge the challenge with this idea in my mind, Brian, Brandon, because again, this is this is just an opinion. But if I 
think about Byron Jones, and I think about his current situation as somebody who's missed an extended period of time with a lower body injury, and then I think about his age. He turned 30 this this season. He's turned 30 in the past two months. And then I think about the cash that he is owed in the years ahead. He's owed $14.1 million in new cash next year. He's owed $14.025 million in new cash in 2024. Here's where I get stuck. You have to take a corner and reach out to a team and say, hey, you have any interest in a 30-year-old cornerback with an Achilles injury that you're going to pay $28 million to in cash, not cap hit cash, although their cap hit would be just the cash that he's owed, over the next two seasons. Now, none of that is fully guaranteed money, so they could transition away from Byron Jones at any point. But I think about a player like William Jackson, and Byron Jones is a better cornerback than William Jackson, but William Jackson in a true man cover scheme was once upon a time considered a quality starter cornerback in the NFL before he signed in Pittsburgh or signed in in Washington and they play more zone and then he gets traded to Pittsburgh. He got traded for, I'm going to make sure I get this right, it was effectively nothing. Conditional sixth round pick in 2025 being swapped for conditional seventh round pick in 2025. That's it. And he was owed like, $10 $10 million. He had three years, $30 million left on his deal, and he's not 30. So I, I just don't know with the big money contract. It'd be different if Byron played has played this whole year and he was playing at a high level. I think you could, could have a little bit more of a compelling sales pitch for a trade. But I don't think you're going to get a significant draft selection trying to trade Byron Jones. I think he's a viable post-June 1st cut candidate if they go out and they find other avenues to get a corner. Because if they trade him, or if they cut him post-June 1st next year, his dead cap is $4.7 million, and then you you just got to know, because you kick the can down the road, and the Dolphins put a couple void years on the back end of the deal, which is kind of the new fad when they restructured him, um, you'll have a $10 million dead cap dead cap hit in 2024. So I don't know that you're going to get anything that will put you anywhere closer to drafting Joey Porter Jr., who's probably going to be a first-round pick. Now, you have a second-round selection. I think for you to get up into that strike zone to go up and get a guy, you're probably going to need three day three picks, and you're probably only going to get into the mid-20s anyway. And it's just kind of my rough estimation without actually sitting down looking at the trade value chart and looking at where teams are picking right now and I, the, I love those exercises but that's so far down, down the rabbit hole I just I haven't gone there mentally yet uh, Justin with our next question five-star review from Buffalo uh, Justin first and foremost hope you guys are staying warm up there obviously know, know the storm uh, getting a lot of thunder snow, calling up for several feet of snow potentially. Um, uh, I'm glad that OSHA stepped in and, and decided to, to move the Bills game, though. Um, would hate for for team to have to play in the snow, even though we, we were told by Bills Mafia that, that we darn well better be ready to play in the snow, brother. 
Because we will be, since you made us play in the sun. <laughs> not sure if you've seen Tyrese. I'm back to Justin and, and no longer doing Bill's Mafia. Uh, not sure if you've seen Tyrese logo. It's the older dolphin logo with the dolphin having cheetah spots. Dolphins, cheetahs, and rhinos are my favorite animals. So with two of them continued, included already... Oh, that was a big Ron Burgundy moment. With two of them included already... Please don't make fun of me for that. Who on the Dolphins can be the Rhino? Maybe Christian Wilkins. Would love to hear your answer and feedback as always. Yeah, I think Wilkins the right guy. That invokes the imagery of just this big tank that will just steamroll you if you're in his way. I think that's a good call, Steve. I definitely think if you're going to have a Rhino on the Dolphins roster, it's, it's Wilk. Big Wilk. Uh, next one comes from Steven. As someone who watches all the All-22, is our recent success on the ground more attributed to getting Jeff Wilson at running back or getting Robert Jones at left guard? Hashtag power to the pot. I think the Dolphins' ability to run stemming from being able, having somebody with anticipatory feel to feel gaps and flow in between the tackles has added a new layer to this offense that they previously uncomfortably did not have is a huge game changer. And Robert Jones is a contributor to that. But I would say that Jeff Wilson is seeing and feeling the lanes that have kind of felt have been there, but he brings a physicality to his running that Raheem Mostert doesn't have. Raheem Mostert runs tough when he gets out on the edge and he can really turn on the jets and then he can kind of commit and brace for contact. But Running through piles, in my mind, is not a strength of Raheem. And Chase Edmonds just didn't see those gaps well enough or consistent enough, in my mind, to really have a lot of faith that, that he was going to make the most of those opportunities. So in my mind, I do think Jeff Wilson's style of play is the biggest needle mover for what we are seeing differently on the Dolphins' running game in the last couple of weeks. If you hate getting stuck... In Black Friday crowds. I wouldn't blame you. It's super uncomfortable. Uh, but you know what is super duper comfortable? Shopping Tommy John's Black Friday sale from your couch. Shop Tommy John's Black Friday sale right now. And give the gift of comfort to everyone on your list. Including yourself. With brand new Tommy John underwear, loungewear, and pajamas. With over 18 million pairs sold, giving Tommy John has become a holiday tradition. 97% of women and men love getting a gift from Tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. So shop Tommy John's Black Friday sale going on right now and get 30% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. 30% off everything now at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. That is TommyJohn.com slash locked on. See site for details okay our last question through this this submission medium which is uh twitter which i was told was, was going to go under uh, on thursday night and yet lo and behold here i am on friday morning recording and, and reading questions off of it so if you want to submit questions through twitter please be be my guest um and it's from mike and mike did uh, a lot of groundwork. <laughs> uh, he he submitted a proposal for the Miami Dolphins to how they should manage their salary cap. And uh, what he did is he laid out 
all the players that he would cut, trade, restructure, give contract extensions to, um, and it showcased some, and also designated pre-post June 1st, and it designated to some degree um, what kind of cap strategy he would take with several players. So here's, here's, here's Mike's proposal for some key players for the Dolphins. He wants to give a contract extension to Christian Wilkins, and he wants to uh, prorate out the guaranteed money, and that could save the Dolphins somewhere between seven, seven and a half, eight million dollars. I think that number might end up being just like a smidge higher, uh, but he, he's obviously got the right idea. I do think Christian Wilkins obviously deserves a contract extension, um, and, and he's due somewhere right around, I think, what is it, ten million dollars is the fifth year option. Um, so you're going to get a chance to, to whittle that one down with a new contract because, uh, you can pay him the, the currently scheduled fifth year option money, which is fully guaranteed. It can be a, that can be a portion of his signing bonus. It can't be small. His signing bonus can't be smaller than that, but that can be a portion of his signing bonus. And then however many years the deal is, you can kick that out down the road and have confidence that, um, He's, he's going to be happy because he got compensated. So his current fifth-year option value is $10.75 million. Okay, So he will, at minimum, get that amount of cash next year. But if you give it to him as a signing bonus as a part of a bigger deal and you give him more than that, and you sign him to a five-year deal, well, you can divide up all the guaranteed money by five years, right? So Mike is saying you can you can save about... Seven and a half million dollars of that. It's probably closer to, to six, but I'm not gonna split hairs. Emmanuel Lagba. The aspiration, according to Mike, is to trade Emmanuel Agba in the offseason. And he's looking to do this, or, or his proposal suggests that we do this post or pre-June 1st. If you trade Emmanuel Agba before June 1st, you have a $6 million dead cap hit, but you can save all of the cash that he's currently owed. Well, not all the cash, but most of the cash that he's currently owed. Uh, $11.35 million in cap savings. This one, and this stinks, but this one I think is, is fairly feasible and reasonable. I don't think there's anything unreasonable about finding a draft selection for a pass rusher Emmanuel Agba. The reason why I was a little bit more suspicious about the Byron Jones trade value is the financial implications are, are much, much steeper. Whereas if you are a team that is trading for Emmanuel Agba, you know, the, the, the financials are about the same, but defensive linemen have a much longer runway for continued success, where 30 is kind of considered this taboo, uh, mysterious cliff for so many corners when they, they cross that 30 year old threshold their play starts to decline and there's some guys that are really special that don't and Byron Jones athletically has the chance to be that kind of guy but I do think Emmanuel I mean you know you're not going to get a big needle mover pick in my mind um but there's a lot of teams that need trench play uh, and there's a lot of teams uh, obviously a lot of teams that need corners too but I think in the, the scale of Byron Jones and his cap financials are like a top $15 owed over the next two years, 
Agba's not in that stratosphere. I think that makes him an easier financial option to pursue for a team that might be looking to rebuild the trenches and has some salary cap at their disposal. I don't think that's an outrageous thing to look for. Uh, he'd like to trade Cedric Wilson as well. Uh, the savings there, they would take on a $2 million dead cap hit and a $6 million uh, cap savings with the trade of Cedric Wilson. And here's what I'll say about this. If you can find a trade partner who wants to take on Cedric Wilson, you could strap up by all means. I think it would be a great opportunity for Cedric Wilson to kind of get the opportunity that he probably thought he was going to get here in Miami before the Tyreek Hill trade happened. Um, I've, I've got no ill will for Cedric Wilson or Chris Greer or any of the parties involved that were involved in the signing of Cedric Wilson because you got to just remember, you know, Tyreek Hill, you can't anticipate Tyreek Hill's going to be available, just like you can't anticipate that Bradley Chubb's going to be available with the Emmanuel Ogba deal. It's how you go from here, and that's why salary cap management is so important because it's how do you maneuver yourself out of some of these situations as other opportunities to get better on your roster maybe make certain things redundant. You can get anything for Cedric Wilson. I'd say move. I'd call it the Jacksonville Jaguars. That would be the first team I call is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, cut Seathan Carter. Yeah, I'm in. Cut Durham Smythe. I know this might be a controversial one, but well, he's, he is playing a lot of snaps for this Dolphins team. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong, so let me... Let me make sure I get my snap counts right. But I, I believe he's playing more snaps than Mike Gusecki is on the season. So Durham on the year has played 385 snaps thus far. Mike Gusecki on the season has played 330 snaps. So they've played approximately the same amount of offensive snaps and then Durham plays on special teams. I think that to me is an upgrade opportunity the Dolphins cannot be complacent with. The tight end room, you and Durham's been, I think he's been a better player this year than he was last year. But you got to go out and you got to get some dudes. you got to go out and get some dominating players. If you can save $3.5 million for Durham Smythe and take on less than a $1 million in dead cap hit, you can move on from Seathan Carter and Durham Smythe, and Mike laid this out very well in the table that he sent me, and you can save over $6 million with $750,000 in dead cap hit, and you can go out and get some dudes that can actually freaking block their tails off on the edge as tight ends, I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in. Uh, and then he has, he has the, the Byron Jones post-June 1st cut. And then he has Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead uh, as restructure contracts. Here's what I'll say about the restructures. You just got to make sure whatever player is in question, you feel comfortable about that player being a hard commit to your team for probably the next three years. If you do a restructure with the magnitude of what we're talking about with Teron Armstead, where you're, you're pushing $12 million out over the next couple of seasons. And Tyreek Hill, you're, you're pushing out $19 million. Now, I think there's some partial restructures that make these a little bit more probable to happen. But all these things that he just laid out, and he wants to re do the max restructure for Tyreek Hill, do the max restructure for Toronto Armstead, um, it would give you pre-June 1st salary cap space of just short of $60 million with 31 players under contract. So you get up to 90, right? Uh, you're probably, it means you're, you're going to have about 60 spots. 
Um, some of those guys are going to be the the cap only logs through your top fifty one. So you'd have fifty nine million dollars to sign uh, twenty players, and then obviously you, you draft some, and you got you know veterans minimum off season dollars, which is all like eight hundred k. Um, but they don't count against the cap beyond the 51st player. So that's good process or, or, or good perspective to know you've, you're going to have about $59 million to sign, retain your own guys, whether that's Brandon Shell and Melvin Ingram or whoever else, and then go out and hit free agency. And, and maybe you've given yourself enough wiggle room to, to hit a big fish or two. Uh, but as you're just mindful of, of other big contracts coming up, that's the needle that the Dolphins are going to have to thread. So I really, Mike, you did a great job. I would say for me, I would be, I'm totally fine with doing the Tyreek Hill restructure. Whatever, whatever value the Dolphins decide they want and need, I've got a lot of confidence there. I'm a little bit less eager to do the Teron Armstead one just because he is a player who has always been battling dings. He is worth every penny the Dolphins have signed him to. The Dolphins got him on a team-friendly deal as far as I'm concerned. But just trying to be mindful of how well is Teron Armstead going to continue to age as a player, and is it going to get to a point where, man, you, you get to the back end of that deal when you, you got to give a lot of big money contracts, and you're saying, oh, I, I hate the fact that we don't have flexibility as Teron Armstead ha, has kind of reached the end of his peak and we're, we're going to be paying him and committing a large portion of salary cap space. So I'm just a little bit more apprehensive to do that one. But I think you got the right idea. You got the right players lined out here, Mike. So you did a really nice job. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball, soccer, and esports. They have it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's bring this thing home uh, with some rapid-fire questions, including this one from Ick. Wants to know about dual-threat quarterbacks. Kyle, greetings from Vancouver, Canada. Daily listener, love the insight in your commentary. Like to get your thoughts on why our defense struggles so much against dual-threat quarterbacks. Yes, Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields are special, then our secondary is banged up, but our front seven is solid. Why are we getting scorched so badly? If you're the D.C., what would you start, stop, change? Presumably, we need to figure this out given the dual threat quarterbacks in the AFC. Yeah, I, I think the Dolphins against um, Baltimore and against Chicago, um, it seems like they invoked a little bit more aggressive man scheme on the back end. As compared to think about how the Dolphins played Josh Allen, right? And the Dolphins wanted to force Josh Allen to dink and dunk and work his way methodically down the field. I think what the Dolphins look back to as their recipe for success, you could go back to the Baltimore game last year on Thursday Night Football and say, hey, if we attack this and we get players off their tracks in the backfield, you can really create a lot of negative plays and, and manufacture the third and longs and, and box teams in and get off the field. Um, 
for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's because you've got Sealer and Davis who are playing more passing down snaps as compared to an Adam Butler. I do think that that departure has been one that the Dolphins have kind of felt a little bit in some of their sub-package rushing groups. Um, but they, they do a lot of twists and stunts and gap exchanges. And if you don't have multiple people winning their rushes in those instances, you end up with these voids inside because you're going to take Jalen Phillips, put him in a three technique, and then he's going to twist with the one tech, the defensive tackle, and it's on a delay. So if whoever is setting that stunt isn't also parlaying and coming off of contact or you aren't getting a winner off the edge at the same time in those same reps, you run the risk of having quarterbacks flush up through the inside gaps. Now, you have plays where, like, Jalen came through as a free runner against Justin Fields, and it was it was there, and Justin Fields just kind of backpedaled and pirouetted on third and 13 and made a great play and ran for a first down. Like, yeah, that that's you'd love for a guy to finish a play, but that guy, other guy's also special. Um, but I think it's it's the style of rush that I th- I, I'm interested to see how the Dolphins kind of evolve. But I go back and I do look at the the Bills game, and I say that it's possible, right? It's possible for you to have that methodical plan and and force teams to kind of work their way down the field um, and not look to turn the heat up and play man on the back end where everybody turns their eyes. Um, but even the even the 60-plus yard touchdown run that Justin Fields had came against zone coverage, and he just happened to hit 21 miles per hour. So um, some bad fortunes. Some not complimentary rush, some strategy things. I think there's a lot of layers to it, but it certainly feels like every time the Dolphins play a, a quarterback that can run, um, <laughs> that uh, that they end up getting popped for a big run somewhere along the way. So uh, the uh, man who can't even play has a question. Uh, could, would Byron Jones potentially come back as a safety for the back end this season to replace the other Brandon Jones? replace the other B Jones. So Byron Jones has played free safety as an NFL career. He played with the Cowboys. I think what would be appealing about that, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen, and I, I still think you would probably like to play Byron at outside corner and leave Cater Kohu inside in the nickel and let just kind of let that be the group. Um, but it gives you the ability in that case to move Javon Holland around more and give you a little bit of confidence that there's not going to be the communication breakdowns that you run the risk of by not having Javon be on the roof of the defense where he can see everything and can relay all the calls. And Byron's been in the system. He understands the coverages. He understands the terminology. Um, whereas any of the other options that the Dolphins currently have to play in that high post role, if they want to move Javon Holland around, are like, for O McKinley, who's a promising UDFA, but at the same time, he's a UDFA, and he's in his first year in the system, and he doesn't know the language, certainly not like Byron Jones would. So it'd be interesting. Uh, but I, I still ultimately think the appeal of getting Byron Jones back, for me, that is the highest is, well, now you can play more press man on the outside and win your one-on-ones so that you can kind of tur- selectively turn up the rush in right situations. Uh, Matt has a question, and Matt's question is this. 
with Tua now showing his true worth to the team, which players, one on the O and one on D, have the Dolphins let go in the last five years that you wish we had still kept on the roster, with the exception of Minka Fitzpatrick? That's a great question. What I don't know that I have is a really good answer. So I'm looking at the 2018 roster. Like, could I could I say I don't even know where to start answering this question. I don't. I look at the 2018 roster, and aside of obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, but the, the and Cameron Wake who. I don't think is officially retired yet, so that's probably going to be my default answer on the off, on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see any names that I miss, if we're being honest. Now, I'm sure I could go back to 2020 and find some names that I liked. I liked Ted Karras. I don't know that I, I would have pounded the table for him to be a starter continuously down the road. He's a starting caliber player. He's starting for the Bengals. Matt Collins is probably an offensive answer that I'm going to lean pretty hard into. I really like Shaq Lawson. I understand from a financials and with the cap situation the way that it was that it made sense to transition and go another way. So I get that. Bobby McCain, but not for the the cost associated there. So those are the names that I would look at and, and kind of identify probably just looking at the 2020 roster and the 2018 roster is kind of recent stops along the way, guys, that I would highlight uh, that, that would you know, had a soft spot for. JT has a question. In a sea of cowboy fans, bless you, it's nice to feel part of the Miami community while in Texas. I wrote a few weeks ago, and you understandably said, ask me again in a few weeks. Oh, I don't know which way we're going here, but this will be fun. So in five or six weeks, would you rather rely on the offense for a game-winning drive or the defense for a game-winning stop? While the offense seems like the easy answer right now, it seems like the defense still locks in when it matters most. Plus, you're not going to hold our defensive stars down the whole season. Love to hear your thoughts. Would love to hear a couple victory cigar recommendations. Cheers. Okay, JT, I'll, I'll work on victory cigars, and um, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll have one uh, next weekend, not this weekend, and I'll, I'll let everybody know what it is uh, when we're smoking on that Texans pack, if that comes to be, which here's hoping that it does. Um. I think it's always, it depends, it's going to depend on the game. Like, who's the opposing quarterback? If it's against a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, I would rather have my offense on the field. And I think this is a testament to where the Dolphins are at right now, that they are a a more balanced unit. Uh, But it's going to be game by game for me based on, like, if it's a playoff game, odds are you're playing a good quarterback. I would rather have my offense on the field to go down and score and win the game. I think the Dolphins have shown with the elite talent that they have on the outside and how proficient Tua Tungvalo is playing that uh, they can handle those opportunities. So that would be um, that would be my call. I got about eight more. Uh, okay, we're going to rapid fire these. Uh, ALH, uh, Kyle, want to thank you for your consistency, wealth of knowledge. I look forward to every episode. Dolphins fans, lucky to have your time at our disposal for free it's one of the things we take pride on here on the locked on network is you know this is a for free podcast everybody gets it uh quick question what are the odds of miami buffalo getting flexed to december 17th um i know the nfl has the ability to kind of flex based on leverage and whatnot i'll say this if the dolphins win two of the next three if you go texans and then you win one of the two out on the west coast 
Um, this has a pretty good chance to happen in my mind, just because Miami won the first one, so they kind of changed the changed the narrative. Uh, the Bills play the Browns, the Lions, the Patriots, and the Jets in the lead-up to this game. They're probably going to win three of those four, if not all four, depending on if they're ready to get their rear ends out of their, um, or their heads out of their rear ends. Um, but that would put these two teams, if the Bills go 3-1 and one and the Dolphins go 2-1, and one, I'm not a math guy, but that means these teams are both going to be nine and four coming into this football game playing for first place in the AFC East and potentially like 10 and four year positioned to have a very strong case for the number one seed in the AFC. I think it's a very good chance that that's a flex game just because of the importance of the football game this late in the season. Kyle, I've been fascinated with you. Mike McDaniels, this comes from Cush. Uh, Mike McDaniel has used motion and personnel to get players that excel in blocking like Engel and Sherfield out in front of our speedy receivers. I know you you watch the tape. Do you think this is something other teams will pick up on? Um, also wanted to give some love to Ingold in general. Dude is a baller. I love watching him play one of my favorite offseason acquisitions for sure. No, because I think there's so many different ways. To, like, just use the post-wheel flat sneak concept in general. They've run it out of two-back sets. They've run it out of traditional 12 with two tight ends on the same side. They've run it out of split tight ends. Uh, they've run it out of 11 personnel. You can get to the same concept so many different ways. that, uh, And it gives you eye candy. You know, Just because when, when you think you're ready for that, they're going to turn around, they're going to do the play that's, that's built to counter off of that, and they're going to gouge you for a big run. So it's going to keep you honest. Uh, Chad, uh, I'm ahead of you on the game on this one, but I did want to give you a shout-out here because great minds think alike. I think it would be all be interested in an update position by position for the roster evaluation that you did for the team and the league as a whole before the season. Now that the dust has settled and we know more about some of our incomplete guys, plus the additions of Chubb and Jeff Wilson, where does Miami rank? If you missed that show, we did it earlier this week. But I'll say this, the Dolphins are higher than they were when the season started, and they were seventh, so you like that. Uh, Javi. Would Josh Jacobs fit the Dolphins' run style, and would the Finns want him if he is available in the offseason? I would say he can fit the inside run, like this, the stuff that um, Jeff Wilson's doing now. But the apprehension there is, I think, probably going to be the cost. You know, he's having a really good season. He's wanting to get paid a lot of money. I don't know that the Dolphins are going to be in the market to spend a lot, uh, especially if they, they've got a group of guys that, that they're really vibing with, and then they get a chance to add a guy on a rookie contract. If they, they decide to bring Wilson and uh, Mostert back. I think you could bring Wilson and Mostert back for cheaper than what it would sign paid what it would cost to sign Josh Jacobs. Uh and Sack. I'm gonna and Sack and Snash username. Kyle offers the best analysis insights and doesn't get too high or too low after each game with one famous <laughs> exception. Um these are two statements. Three statements. Two will start every game the rest of the season. I'm going to say yes. Two will finish top three in quarterback expected points added and passer rating. I will say yes. Gronk has the angle. Is this two truths in a line? Oh, it is two truths in a line. Oh, so two truths in a line. Two will start every game the rest of the season. Two will finish top three in QB, EPA, expected points added and passer rating. And Gronk has the angle. I think we all obviously know that Gronk has the angle is the lie. And I thank you for reminding all of us because if it, we don't want anybody to forget that Rob Gronkowski does not have the angle. Uh, 
the next question. Just got finished watching your Tua film breakdown on Draft Network. It went above the YouTube channel. 35 minutes of all 22 Tua talking through the plays with Ray Garvin, who's fantastic. Uh, the offense has been clicking. I think there are a lot of worried DCs out there. If you had to create a defensive game plan to slow down this offense, what would it be? Also, what teams do you believe have the personnel to execute this? This is a podcast. And maybe I'll do this. I might do that one on Monday. Uh, I'll probably do that one on Monday, kind of looking at personnel across the league uh, and, and talking about the different strategies that some of those playoff contenders could implement to try to slow the Dolphins down. Because there's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot. A lot of layers to that. Paul, however, wants to know, how would you compare where Trevor Lawrence is versus where Tua was after an equivalent number of starts? I can recall Trevor Lawrence was your high-degraded quarterback in recent memory, but Tua was very close. Yes, they were they were fairly close. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was my one the year that he came out, and then Justin Fields was my two. So Trevor Lawrence at this point in his career has... Six and twenty-one as a starter, which is not great. That's twenty-seven starts for Trevor Lawrence. Tua Tagovailoa, at this point in his career, has started. Jeez, good old Google has started thirty-one. So they've started almost an almost an equal number of games. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has thrown for 5,900 yards, so 6.3 yards per attempt on his career, 25 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Tua, in four extra games, has thrown for an additional 800 yards, uh, 20 more touchdowns, and thrown five less interceptions. Uh, if you look beyond the box score, obviously, because that, that is just such an individual compartmentalized component of quarterback evaluation, I think... Tua's instinctual feel for, I think Trevor has a better, like, pure arm, but Tua's instinctual feel and some of his composure in tight spaces versus Trevor's a little bit more of a longer player, a little bit more, needs a little bit more space to operate as a thrower, um, I think is an advantage for Tua. Uh, and then obviously you've seen the big statistical jump this year. But I would say Tua at this point is is comfortably ahead of Trevor Lawrence's quarterbacks, even though they've started reasonably close to the same number of games. I know Jacksonville doesn't have the kind of talent that Miami has this year, but even looking at the statistical production that Tua put up last year versus Trevor Lawrence, um, I, I think he's still just trying to learn how to be a pro and, and apply his strengths within a, a second offense. So we'll... We'll try to compare Trevor Lawrence year three to two a year three when when we get all that information at the end of next season. It's going to do it for Power to the Pod. Hope you guys enjoyed. Had a great time talking with everybody. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the bye. If you missed who we should be rooting for, go back, listen to yesterday's show. Talk with you guys again on Monday. Fins up.